stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by Zach's Director of Research, Shiraz Mian, who is also the editor of Zach's most fun and exciting portfolio, our best one, Zach's Top 10 Stocks. It's 10 stocks that are released in the first week of January every year, and then they're held for the full year. Now, this portfolio is always shrouded in mystery. None of us know what's going to be in it because Shiraz keeps his new picks a secret until the launch. And this coming year, uh, the launch date is on January 3rd. So all of us have to wait until January 3rd to see what's in this top 10. And believe me, I... I'm always tuning in on the day it launches to find out what's in there. So this year's top 10 has been another barn burner. And through November 30th, this year's top 10 has returned 36.1% versus the S&P 500 at 25%. And so it's been red hot with a couple of big winners in there. So Shiraz, there's a lot of pressure on you. <laughs> That's right. Live up to given 2021's portfolio and the prior years have done well as well. So it's just like building year after year. But last year, when you were um, planning this year's portfolio and we did the same podcast last year, the vaccine had just been announced in November of 2020. And we all thought, oh, the end is near. We're going to have this rebound recovery. Uh, you know, it's it's all good and roses into 2021 and bye-bye pandemic once we're all vaccinated and good times are coming. And That's they right. But now here we stand like another year later. A lot of us are going to get this booster thing. We do have other things that can combat the various variants on coronavirus, like the Pfizer pill and Merck has a pill. We have other treatments. This is all good. A lot of people have been vaccinated, but I feel like your job is a little tougher this year than next year. Is that how you're looking at it? Yes, it is. It's, and I think the, uh, the pandemic, uh, we have kind of gotten used to it, Tracy. It's it's, yeah. it's becoming endemic to our lives. Um, the uh, we all have 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 the the vaccines and the boosters, and uh, and then there are the breakouts, and, and now we have the medicines. Yeah. Uh, but it appears that it'll be in our lives for some time, uh, definitely through 2022, uh, maybe longer. Uh, but the bigger uh, kind of curveball in 2022 is the change on the Fed side. Okay. And, uh, and 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 these inflection points in monetary policy are always difficult for investors because the Fed is so central uh, to how the market has done uh, and will continue to do. Uh, so when it uh, when how, how fast it tapers, when the first rate hikes start, uh, will have a big impact on how the market does as a whole, which sectors and industries will do, uh, and 
uh, that's complicated. It's it's always complicated to have ten stocks for a whole calendar year, uh, but I feel this year uh, has uh, has extra layers of complexity. Yeah, and do do the margin pressures and the supply chain issues play into that too? The inflationary pressures. Absolutely. So the 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 Fed question is closely tied to the inflation question. And the inflation question directly uh, gets into the uh, what you pointed out, margins and supply chains and yeah. all of the logistical issues we uh, we heard today about the wholesale inflation uh, numbers were so high, and that goes directly into the cost of goods sold in the context of the uh, the typical companies. Uh, uh, income statement. So margins are a big deal. Uh, we want to be in companies that have pricing power. We don't want to have uh, companies that have to take prices as they are uh, and have so competitive a marketplace where uh, where they can't pass those on to uh, the end consumer and then uh, it ends up uh, affecting their their margins. To some extent, most companies will have to bear some margin pressures. So, uh, in terms of the selection of stocks, you want to have you want to have stocks in companies uh, that have pricing power, that have some barriers to entry, that have uh, uh, that have the ability to pass uh, the higher expenses to the end consumers. So does that mean you may be looking a little more heavily at large cap companies versus the small caps just because they might have more of a market type dominance? So I'm it's the I have uh, like off the the from the starting list I have narrowed it down Tracy okay. uh, but I'm really struggling with the this last uh, 3 dozen or so shortlisted companies but as a whole yes you want to have more stable companies you're not swinging for the fences anymore uh, you want profits and cash flows today uh, not out there five ten years in the future uh, and you want strong balance sheets you don't want companies that will suffer in an environment where financial conditions are uncertain or difficult. Uh, and uh, I'm always leaning towards companies that are relatively less stretched from a valuation standpoint. Though at this stage in the market with everything at record level, uh, it's it's not easy to find value as you yourself know. And, yeah. uh, and if there is value, there's typically a reason for it. So, uh, on the whole, large cap gives you safety, uh, but there's there's plenty on the mid cap side too, uh, where I feel uh, uh, you can uh, you can have some some interesting ideas, and that's uh, what I'm uh, gravitating towards. So it sounds like with this growth stock pullback that we've seen, that even though some of those names like a Teladoc or those types of of names are down 50 to 70 percent from their recent highs, that those are not the types of names that will be on your list. 
I don't think so. Yes, I think that's that's correct. Though uh, I do like those companies. I think uh, if someone has a holding horizon that's that's longer than what the top ten portfolio does. I mean, we have uh, a one year is a long period, but it's it, it's somewhat artificial in terms of the uh, uh, the calendar year restriction. Uh, I feel that those types of aspirational growthier uh, long-term plays uh, require holding horizons longer than a year. Uh, you would recall that in 2020, we had DocuSign and had a ton of success with that. Right. Uh, and uh, 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 it has made it to my, my short list, but I, I don't think it'll, uh, it'll be on the, uh, on the final list. Okay. This year, one of the ones that made your list for 2021 and has been the best performer was Macy's, ticker M. It was up 200% at one point year to date and now is up about 130% as of December 14th when we're recording this. Still dirt cheap with a PE of five, peg of just 0.4. What was your decision making a year ago to put Macy's, which has been battered for many years, in fact, into the portfolio for this year? I I felt that that having exposure to consumer spending uh, would be a winning theme in 2021. And Macy's was just one of the ways in which we played that consumer mm-hmm. uh, uh, exposure. We had Alta uh, as well. Some of our other picks in the portfolio also had uh, a consumer uh, type of theme in them, and specifically uh, to the Macy's pick, uh, I felt that the uh, the, uh, the the oversized discount uh, to the broader retail group and to the department stores in the Macy's stock also reflected, in addition to the issues that have been longstanding with Macy's, was this financial question mark. Uh, the uncertainty whether the company has the ability to survive uh, as a going concern. There were questions about the company's digital strategy. And uh, and I had a lot more confidence in the digital strategy. My sense was that the, uh, the long-term plan that management had shared with the street, uh, uh, they were forced by circumstances uh, during the pandemic to really accelerate that uh, and stress test it. We saw that with some of the other companies as well. Uh, and it turned out to be a, a, a successful call. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I, I would like to say that I knew exactly what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as is the case with all of these picks, uh, you have to have uh, uh uh, it, it's a bet. It's a bet on the uh, uh, on the outlook for, for the company, and uh, I felt that consumer will be out in full force, and Macy's, with its footprint and its digital product, will be able to capitalize on that. Many others haven't been able to, and I, it's it's good to see that uh, Macy's uh, has done a lot better than like yeah. Nordstrom and others. 
Yeah, so what is your take on the consumer heading into 2022? Because they did spend up a storm in 2021, but it, it appears that they want to continue to do that in 2022. And the job market is recovering strongly now, too. That's usually pretty strong indicator of where the consumer is going when they can get, you know, jobs and pay increases and all of that. So should should we be looking for further consumer exposure into 2022? I think so. Yes, I think uh, having consumer spending exposure will be one of the winning themes in 2022 and beyond uh, as well. Uh, we do not have uh, an economic pullback or downturn on the horizon. You rightly point out the labor market remains very strong. The picture on the wages front uh, remains very positive. Uh, and I believe the favorable trends we have been seeing on the consumer side should continue uh, in 2022, Fed or no Fed. So uh, if you have, uh, if you have, uh, or you have the ability uh, to, uh, to to have consumer spending exposure in the portfolio, I think that sh that should uh, that should put you ahead uh, in 2022 as well. Okay. Now I noticed that this portfolio is outperforming the S and P 500 through November 30th, even without the number one best performing sector in in the portfolio. Right? It didn't did not have any energy plays. Yes. So yeah. what is your outlook on energy or maybe even just the commodities, which have been pretty hot in general, heading into 2022? And is that an area that people should be looking at? Uh, so energy uh, is underinvested uh, broadly in the marketplace. And I think in 2022, we will be playing catch up on that front. Uh, it's 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 useful to have exposure uh, to the energy space. I think in portfolios as a whole, I I look at uh, these Zach's ultimate portfolios that our customers submit to us for our webinars, and I'm surprised as to how few customers uh, really have energy sector exposure. Uh, it's hard for us to execute on that in the top ten portfolio since we have only. 10 slots, yeah. uh, but in the, uh, to your listeners, I think it's totally a worthwhile, uh, a worthwhile sector and industry to have exposure to. Uh, and uh, yes, there are these questions about, uh, about the environment and, and all of that, and those things will play out and perhaps they should have exposure to those areas as well, but traditional hydrocarbons-based energy industry is with us for a while. Uh, and I think those stocks uh, should do reasonably well uh, in 2022 and beyond. Okay. What do you think about the semiconductor industry going into 2022? It's been up and down. And right now, you know, some of the big caps in the semis like NVIDIA is down 9.3% over the last month. It's finally had basically close to a correction here. Is this an area that people should be looking at because, you know, semis are obviously in strong demand right now? That's right. So semiconductors is a uh, within the broader 
tech area, uh, semis is the more cyclical component of, of, of tech spending. And uh, I think they have plenty of tailwinds behind them with the demand for chips uh, remaining strong for, 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 for quite a while, definitely in 2022 now. The outlook for business and the outlook for the stocks, they don't always move in sync with each other. A lot of these stocks are red hot, even though, as you mentioned, some of them have pulled back. Yeah. Uh, I, if, if I had to pick, I would look at some of the laggards, perhaps, like the Intels of the world. Uh, they could give you a bit of income and, uh, and they, the, the valuations uh, don't appear uh, that stretched as well. Uh, the NVIDIAs of the world are a bit too red hot for me, but that's been the performing uh, part of that market. Uh, so it's, uh, uh, but that's what I thought at the beginning of 2021 as well. And we saw that there was uh, a pretty strong performer uh, uh, this year as well. Um, what do you think about tech just in general for like this type of portfolio? Because you usually don't go real heavily into tech in the portfolio. Yes, we what we tend to do, uh, Tracy, in the top 10 is uh, we 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 try to find names that are not like top shelf, uh, uh, well-known companies. and. Yeah. Uh, so when we when we have DocuSign, that's when DocuSign is not really uh, a super famous uh, kind of company. And uh, so from from an earnings balance sheet and cash flow standpoint, uh, I think the the winning tech companies would be uh, the large caps, the Adobe's of the world, the Cisco's of the world, the Microsoft's of the world, and many of these have been strong performers thus far as well. Yeah. Uh, but the more kind of out in the future profitability outlook companies, uh, I believe, will struggle in an environment where the monetary policy standpoint is a lot more uncertain than it has been uh, in the recent past. Uh, uh, so uh, I would be staying away from the DocuSigns and the Teladocs of the world, uh, but companies like Cisco's and Oracle and Adobe and Microsoft and even Google and these other large caps that have a ton of profitability uh, and uh, uh, they should do just fine. I don't see any problem with the uh, with with the mega cap uh, tech tech companies uh we don't tend to have that in the top 10 though uh we right. we, we don't usually have the glamorous uh stocks in the portfolio right so there won't be any fang stocks in the top 10 there won't be any fang stocks we have had facebook the year after it went public and we had good performance oh. in it uh wow. but that was a long time back yeah. uh, we have we haven't had it uh since then okay what about like a lot of these IPOs and SPACs that have come on board? I'm assuming you're staying away from most of those as well for the very reasons you were just laying out that you you want them to have, you know, barriers to entry, the pricing power, profits, good cash flow, all of that. But could one of those sneak in? Uh, 
I, I seriously doubt it. Uh, the the filters are are, are very very strongly uh, aligned against them uh, seeping through. Okay. Uh, uh, we we are looking for 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 some history of performance. We are looking for balance sheet strength. Uh, we are looking for elements uh, that really. Uh, put them in a good standing in an uncertain operating environment, and uh, these companies that uh, that enter the public domain through the back door typically don't qualify uh, in that area. I think that's the the uh, the, the super strength uh, and momentum on the spec side is perhaps the high water mark of the. Uh, the extremely bullish market we have had. Uh, going forward, I sense uh, it'll be a lot more selective, and uh, the uh, the performance will be for companies that that, that really have uh, solid business plans and and good products and services. Uh, so I could be wrong, but that's how that's how I look at the outlook uh, currently. Okay. When you're screening initially for these stocks, do you use the Zach's rank or the Zach's style score or any of those kind of like Zaxy things to do an initial screen or do those not matter because like the rank is such a short term recommendation that it's not really a factor? It is part of the screen. There's okay. other financial metrics as well. Uh, I do stay away from ranks fours and fives. Okay. Uh, a stock that may be rank three, uh, but has been a rank one and two uh, is perfectly fine too. Uh, uh, if a stock goes to a four or five after uh, the uh, the portfolio comes out, that's not a reason typically for us to get out of it, but we keep an eye on the uh, on the rank and the style scores. And uh, the style scores are particularly useful because they capture so many elements uh, of a company's financial strength, like the value score, the momentum score, the growth score, uh, and and that's that's particularly useful. Yeah, so we we, we do include those elements in the uh, in the initial screening process. Okay. Um, what else should we know about what it is that you know you're looking for for next year? Because so, so it's a blend. It's a blend of top down, meaning uh, you you decide which sectors and industries you want exposure to, okay. uh, and then you have a bottom up approach of looking at the companies. Uh, at their financial statements, uh, at their company presentations, uh, reading their transcripts, uh, getting a sense of uh, what the analysts are saying about the outlook, uh, and uh, so so marrying those two elements, top down and bottom up, uh, in finding the best stocks uh, to play the macro outlook you have for the economy, for the sectors, and for the industries, uh, and it's. It's it's more of an art than science. Uh, it has obviously a, a high degree of uncertainty. We have been reasonably successful uh, in in recent years, but we have had bad years as well. So you have to approach the process uh, with uh, with a with a high degree of humility. And what happens if a stock does drop down to a five? You know, after the portfolio launches, but it's it's a it's what I consider a bad five. Like there is something bad going on there. 
um, will you remove that stock, put a new one in, or just have nine stocks, or or do you leave it in there? How does that well, work? We- we always keep 10 stocks. So if okay. we do make a change uh, during the year, we will replace it with another stock. Uh, mm-hmm. Just simply a stock dropping to a four or a five is not sufficient for, for it to be uh, booted out of the of the portfolio. Okay. If, if the sense is that the forces uh, that are driving the estimate cuts uh, will will persist through the remainder of the year uh, and you feel that uh, the stock doesn't have uh, a solid reason to bounce back through the holding horizon, then that's sufficient reason to get out of it and get into something uh, that's that's a better uh, a, a better representation for the remainder of the year. We have done one or two changes in recent years. This year, we didn't do any change, uh, but uh, we do retain the uh, uh, the uh, the flexibility to make changes uh, during the year. Okay. Well, I'm super excited to see what's going to be in this next year's. <laughs> that's right. Um, there are a lot of things up in the air, and we're actually recording this before the Fed's uh, press release and statement on their recent meeting. So that that should maybe or maybe not be helpful um, to whatever you're going to pick for the finalists in the top 10. But remember, for all of you out there, if you want to get the top 10, you can get it. In the first week of January, you can just go to zax.com and you'll you'll see it ads on there for our top 10 portfolio. It's always super fun and it's nice to start off the new year with some new stock picks and always like very hopeful <laughs> to start off the new year. Sure. And um, given what happened this year could be another fun one. But let me recap some of the tickers we did talk about on this episode. So Macy's is in this year's top 10, ticker M, as is Ulta, ticker U-L-T-A. Both were very good performers on the retail side, but Macy's is the best performer in this year's top 10. There was DocuSign in last year's portfolio, the 2020. So you you dodged a bullet on that one, Charles, for this year. That's right. Um, ticker DOCU, I think that's DocuSign. That's right. Um, and then we talked briefly about some of these other like big cap names. We know mostly what those tickers are, but uh, NVIDIA, NVDA, uh, mentioned Microsoft, MSFT, Cisco, CSCO, Intel, INTC. And I guess that's that's kind of it. We're, we're keeping it keeping it kind of quiet about you know, what's going to happen with this portfolio. But again, it's always our our most fun of the year. And we're all waiting to see what's going to be in this year's top 10 and how things will develop heading into next year. It's been a good year for stock investors here in 2021. And everybody's hoping for another year like this year for next year. So let's see what develops. And as always, you want to be sure you're getting all of our podcasts here on the Zach's Market Edge, because when the new year comes, we're going to be talking about a lot of these stocks and what is working. So be sure to get our podcasts on Apple. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're, of course, on SoundCloud. And you can get all of our podcasts on Zach's.com. We have a podcast 
link up at the top of the page where you can get all of our great podcasts, including Nina's ETF podcasts and Kevin Cook's great ones on the money issues and the psychology of stocks and investing. So make sure you get all of our podcasts and I'll see you again next year on the Zach's Market Edge. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identify and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.